Greetings, fellow Earthlings. This is Dave Smith coming to you with another episode of And Another Thing with Dave on Election Night 2020, Armageddon Eve. Hopefully not, but uh, <laughs> could be. Anyway, I wanted to do a little pre-election ramble and rant and talk about a few things. Our fabulous economy, best economy ever. Um, but uh, what I want to play to start off here is a clip from Status Coup, um, published on YouTube October 31st. And this is Chris Hedges on Biden versus Trump and the coming economic hunger games. Oh, and you've spoken a lot about um, the fact that presidential elections really aren't about anything of substance, but they're about personalities. Uh, it's interesting to me that Biden's main campaign can be boiled down to character is on the ballot uh, right. and a return to, you know, corruption behind closed doors, basically. Um, wh what are your thoughts? Because it's it's something he said during the last debate, which I didn't hear many people pick up. He said, uh, health care is a you have a human right to affordable health care. Right. You have a human right to affordable health care. Um, a human right to affordable health care. Right. So he's appealing to progressives and Democrats with you have a human right. But then to affordable health care. He's bending over to the, um, you know. Insurance companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the HMOs, yada, 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 right? So that is absolute professional political rhetoric, which is why you don't want somebody in political office for 30 years, right? You want to put an eight-year cap on that. So you want them to do political service, right? Like like the military, you do, like you serve your country, right? And then you get the fuck out. You did your service, then you get out. Let the next person come in that's fresh and that isn't bought and paid for and corrupt as hell through and through. I mean, you know, Biden, Pelosi, Trump. I mean, so first of all, Pelosi's not opposing Trump at all, right? Pelosi it has what's called the power of the purse, Right. The uh, the Speaker of the House has what's called the power of the purse. Nothing gets paid for unless they sign off on it. So Pelosi signed off on 80 billion dollars for the border wall, signed off on the det border detention camps on the on the on the immigration policy, signed off on uh, increasing the military budget, which was already 746 billion. Russia was 51 billion, 56 billion. We're 746, so almost 700 billion more than Russia. And Nancy signed off on increasing it, 132 billion, not once, but every year in perpetuity. So in the next 10 years, just that is going to cost us a trillion dollars, just the expansion of the military. So... This is obscene. I mean, we're getting to the point of, you know, where Rome expanded its empire to the point where it caved. Like, we're getting to that point, really. A trillion dollar increase in the next 10 years. We were already spending more than the next 12 countries combined on the military. So, 
you know, like Ron Paul is a, a pretty conservative libertarian. And he says we could cut the military by half and not risk anything as far as like safety goes, you know. Um, and he actually goes further to say that if we quit our wars of empire and conquest, then we would reduce the amount of enemies that we have so we wouldn't need <laughs> that military force. We wouldn't need those thousand military bases that we have abroad. But this also brings up another point. And uh, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but hey, this is what I do. That's why it's called And Another Thing with Dave, because I do that. I go from one thing to another thing. That is my William Shatner impersonation. That's horrible as it may be. Um, but so what, another thing I want to talk about is entitlements. Entitlements. We can't afford it. How are we going to afford health care? You can't give people shit for free, right? Well, we're spending $132 billion more on the military next year than we're spending this year. So $132 billion. I've heard numbers, can't recall where I read this, but it, I've heard the number $2 billion a year would end world hunger. So... If that's the fact, two billion would end world hunger. Then how much would it cost to give everybody health care? Ten billion a year? Still a hell of a lot less than 132 billion, isn't it? Hmm. Could probably even throw free education in there. I'm thinking we're probably only up to about twenty, twenty-five billion a year. Huh. Still got a lot of wiggle room if we take back that $132 billion military increase, right? Like, oh my god. Anyway, cheers. Driving me to drink. This is crazy. Anyway, so what I'm worried about here is violence in the streets. I hope we're not going to see it. You know, Trump actually said that if... If Biden wins or if there's late uh, late votes that are counted, there might be violence. So he's almost inciting it. Anyway, let's get back to Christopher Hayes here on Status Coup. To me, obviously, we're not breaking news. Sorry, Chris Hedges. On Trump and the threat uh, that Donald Trump poses. But uh, are, are people being kind of gaslit that Joe Biden himself is not a threat? Completely. Um, I mean, look at Biden's record. I, I remember when Obama announced that he was running for president, uh, Dennis Kucinich printed out and gave me Obama's two-year voting record in the Senate, which was one corporate giveaway after another, which was a message to the where the real centers of power in America lie. And, and uh, Kucinich said, used this analogy. He said, you know, when I was a kid, I used to go to baseball games in Cleveland and they, the ushers would go up and down and, and sell what they call the scorecard. He'd say, get the scorecard, get the scorecard. He said, here's the scorecard. Here's the only thing that matters. Uh, and uh, why are the elites pumping so much money? I mean, this super PAC, which is largely funded by Wall Street and Silicon Valley, has pumped staggering amounts of money into the Biden campaign because they know that Biden uh, has, uh, you know, throughout his entire political career, served the interests of the elites. And you're right. I mean, remember, we got sold that uh, garbage when George W. Bush ran, that he was a nice guy and the kind of guy you would want to have a beer with. And All right, so I got to inject something here. But um, 
Bear with me, people, because I gotta find it first. You know, that's how I roll. I'm just a little spontaneous. But um, I'm going to find us a wonderful clip of Biden selling himself to uh, big donors. Bear with me one second here, people. Boom, here is the clip. Well, the fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man, the manner in which I talk about it. But what happened was they said, come back when you're 40, son. And so I had to go out. He had to go to a number of small contributors. He tried to prostitute himself. This is Biden talking openly and proudly about having to prostitute himself. Um, this video is on YouTube. It is Joe Biden. I tried to prostitute myself to big donors. Um, so there you go. And this is on Washington Free Bacon posted this. <laughs> Thank you, Washington Free Bacon. I'm giving you a like. Um, so there it is from Biden's own mouth. He's a complete sellout. And um, they all are. Back to uh, little Chris Hedges here. These are just manufactured personalities. I mean, Biden himself, by the way, and I know people who know him is phenomenally arrogant and uh, full of himself and an intellectual lightweight and has no moral core. Uh, but you go back and look at the appalling record, uh, which, of course, is not being discussed by the Democratic Party. This is the person who took down Anita Hill. I mean, they never talk about Biden supporting Supreme Court justices because, first of all, Biden was picked by Obama because basically it was Let's let's uh, let's look at Biden's horrible and abominable record. He was uh, he wrote the Patriot Act, bef you know, years before it was adopted back in the 80s. He wrote the 1994 crime bill, which led to the three strikes, you're out uh, mandatory minimums for nonviolent drug sentences started overflowing our federal prisons. And then that led to George Bush privatizing prisons. So then all of a sudden we had for-profit prisons, meaning you have an incentive to have a head in every bed. It's exactly what you don't want, an incentive to put people in jail. That's crazy. In a free country? You kidding me? I mean, I, I believe it's a it's a balance of the more you invest in education, the less you have to invest in law enforcement. I believe there's a true connection there, but you know, I'm that's just an intuitive gut feeling. Anyway, let's go back to more of Chris Hedges on status coup on October thirty first. 
He was a Republican. He voted as a Republican. But this was the great champion of Clarence Thomas and Anton Scalia, two of the worst modern Supreme Court justices uh, that have sat on the bench. Uh, so he rips apart Anita Hill, uh, you know, this courageous woman who takes on her abuser. Uh, he is one of the principal architects of the invasion of Iraq. Uh, he is a stalwart supporter of the apartheid state in Israel. Uh, he, uh, along with the Democratic Party hierarchy, uh, has engineered and supports the wholesale surveillance of the public by government intelligence agencies. He was behind, uh, along with Clinton, the destruction of welfare. Uh, and under our old welfare system, 70% of the original recipients were children. So inexcusable. Right. They they dismantled the welfare system without creating a job training program, an apprenticeship program, you know, a high school to trades program. They didn't replace it with a pull yourself up by your bootstraps program. They just did away with it. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. This is only part one. I'm going to come back in a little bit with a little bit more. Peace out. This has been Dave. Okay. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. This is Dave Smith with another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. And we are having another conversation with Tony, Tony Schultz on the line. Tony, how you doing? Good, Dave. How are you? Well, <clears throat> I, I was about to say fantastic, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm filled with anxiety, and I was talking to people at the bank today. Everybody's freaking out. It looks like everybody's stocking up on stuff, and like nobody wants to go outside tomorrow. Like everybody thinks the worst is going to happen. Hmm. I, I sure hope that's not the case. Um, you know, last thing like we need that. is, you know, violence in a political situation yeah. here, Dave, because isn't that what's supposed to separate us from so many other countries is that we can change hands, uh, the peaceful transfer of power without that. Peaceful. Are we truly America without that? Peaceful transfer of power. Thank you. And when asked point blank, Trump would not guarantee a peaceful transfer of power. He started sidestepping and it was kind of a suspect, just like when he was asked point blank about, will you denounce white supremacist groups and hate groups? And he said, and, yes. And he kind of, but kind of like, the funny thing about that was it's like tr Trump jumps on people all the time. He disparages groups, individuals, institutions all the time. But when it came to white supremacists, kind of lukewarm on his denunciation of them. Really was not able to – he was not very committed well, <laughs> in denouncing them. Well, Let's say that. Well, he refused to denounce them. He, he responded yes – and then his follow-up statement was, but somebody's got to stand up to Antifa, so stand right. back 
and stand by. He didn't say stand down. Stand down is what we were all looking for, right? Stand down, right? That's what we were looking for. What did we get? Stand by. Well, you know, you go back to Charlottesville, Dave, and it was very fine people on both sides. And the next day he had to clarify that. And he went through his list. I, I, I denounced them. Did I get everybody? Did I get everybody? But it, it was this very much, you had to force it out of him. And even with that, it was just this kind of half-hearted denunciation of these groups when it just seemed so, like, these are white supremacist groups, pal. Why can't we denounce them? You know, these right. are quality. There should be no mincing of words. There should be no stutter, no pause. You should denounce them like a, a Nazi hate group. It seems really easy, Dave, and yet for him it just wasn't easy. And I, I just don't – I don't understand why because it's like it can be kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod thing anyway. Like, what, are those people not going to support you? Those people are not going to vote for you? Come on. Yeah, the hook is already sunk there, right? <laughs> yeah, I just don't know why. Um, I, I, I don't know why I made an issue, but, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, you and I talked about some years ago, Dave, and I was, you know, like, did I believe racism was over? Did I believe in institutional racism was still with us? And, you know, you and I had a, a back and forth about those things. And, no, I totally don't believe either one of them are over. But I really did think that we weren't, this bad with the situation and Donald Trump has really brought that to the forefront. It, we're, it's we're only gotten worse. Thought. We're worse than I thought about that. It's only gotten worse, right? It really has. I mean, I, when he comes down the escalator, Dave, and he says point blank, um, they're bringing crime, they're bringing drugs, they're rapists. And I suppose some of them are good people. I'm like, you can't get elected president now when you said that. That's an Archie Bunker statement. That's a, you know, that's a scapegoating type of statement. There's just no other way around it. At best. I was wrong, Dave. I never, I never thought that institutional racism was, was gone. I never thought that, you know, the country didn't have racism still. I never thought those things, but I really did think that we we were not as bad as we seemed to, to be. And that's not saying that all America is racist. America is not all racist. But but even when you hear that kind of stuff, Dave, people will still vote for Donald Trump. He's yeah. not getting wiped out in this. You know, I'm watching some of the returns right now, Dave, and he is behind Joe Biden right now. I think the last count was 192 for for Biden. And you need 270, but Trump was over 100, and they still haven't counted Texas and Florida and Georgia, which look like they're going to fall in his his camp. And Florida got 29 electoral votes. So you're talking electoral votes here. You know, so those are those are they've already counted um, California, which has 55 electoral votes. They've already counted that for Joe Biden. That's the big Democratic prize. Yeah. So right now it's one night one ninety two to one fourteen so, in favor of Biden. So I feel strong about my vote for the Green Party. 
Yeah. You know, because I knew I knew California was going to go blue. So the crucial thing is to get enough numbers up for the Green Party so that they're viable next election, right? Hopefully. So but, that they uh, get federal funding. You know, I, I, I hope that's the case, Dave, but you know, we're not out of the woods here yet. And Donald Trump is not behind by very much when you consider that they haven't counted Florida and Texas yet. Well, and we saw how it went with Bush, Tommy, so we're not out of the woods. And we're, it's, it ain't over till it's over. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yogi Berra was right. <laughs> You know, if anybody was going to pull a quick one, George Bush got away with it. So why wouldn't Trump? Right? Yeah, well, just if it comes down to it's a really close situation and it goes to the Supreme Court or something like that, Dave, well, the Republicans control that. You know? Tony goes to Republicans. Let's put it that way. Tony, he's actually... Trump, that, that is, is actually on tape stating that the reason he's appointing and rushing the appointment of Amy Comey Barrett is because he wants the Supreme Court to decide the election. Right. He made that very clear. He said it on tape. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a secret, Dave. I mean, Tony, this is this is unbelievable. This is like I'm going to steal the election and this person is going to help me do it. And guess what? He just got appointed. Yeah, that's unfortunately the way it goes, Dev. And how is it precedent for that? I mean, that's that's the scary part because it's actually not illegal. Well, yeah, it's not illegal. And George Bush set the precedent for it. In what was it, two thousand, um, and uh, so it riddled me this: How does it make any sense? Oh, I, I don't know. I just lost my train of thought. But um, yeah. It, so the electoral college is clearly an organization that is designed to circumvent the public, the popular vote, right? Yes, it is. And, and put in place to benefit Southern slave states, right? When they didn't have the voting numbers, right? I believe so, that's the history of it. I, I'm not as, as familiar with that as, as you might be, but I just, I've heard I just, that before. I just learned something to this effect last night that it's only 200 years old and was put into place basically to preserve, to be able to give more voting power to the Southern states. Hmm. Well, when, right now you want to, something strange right now, as far as the electoral, electoral college goes, Biden ahead right now, Popular vote, Trump ahead right now. Go figure that one. Well, but it's early. It's still way early, Dave. I, I, you know, in terms of a, a football game, to use a sports analogy, it's pretty much only halftime right now. 
I, I was going to a long way to go. I was going to give the analogy that we haven't even reached halftime exactly. So still plenty of game left. It could be anybody's call. And, but what we, what we're fearing and what uh, I'm just parroting from multiple sources is that Trump might declare a victory prematurely if he's showing a premature lead. So luckily there's no, you know, way out in front premature lead. Yeah, I just hope that, you know, Dave, because with all the shenanigans the Republicans have been trying to use, and Trump has been very open about not counting votes after tonight, you know? So that, and that's, that's, that is illegal, Dave. That is Which illegal. Is, you, you can't do that. But apparently they're going to try something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous because it's been uh, our standard practice to receive ballots seven days after the election, right? It's, it's not when you receive the ballot, it's when your vote was cast. You have to cast your vote before the deadline. That's got nothing to do. It's got nothing to do with counting the ballots, right? Yeah. That was supposed to be right. As long as they're in before the end of today, when polls close today, then they get counted. Got to count them. If it might take a couple of days longer. Who knows? I don't care how long it takes. And we talked about this before. We got till January first to count them, right? January twentieth is inauguration day. Okay, thank you. So, so we got till January. No Plenty hurry. of time. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. There's just no and- reason to rush. And the deadline is not the important thing. The correct outcome is the important thing. Right? You would think so, Dave, but um, Miller, not Stephen Miller, Jason Miller, another one of the um, president's guys, and I forgot what exactly his title is, but um, he was talking about the same thing that Trump was talking about, Dave, and that was you know, if you count these these votes after election day, somehow they're ripe for for fraud. And he doesn't go any farther into it than that. But why why would that mean they were fraudulent just because it took longer to count them? That makes no sense at all. There's no logic there at all. The person cast their vote. Period. Period. Everybody's vote has to be counted. It doesn't matter how long it takes. And then, you know, and then now we look back back and you look at the the obstruction of justice with the dismantling of postal service equipment. Right. So they're trying to slow down the counting of votes. And at the same time, they're trying they're trying to slow down the receiving of votes. And at the same time, they're trying to say that all the votes need to be counted by a certain date. Nobody, nowhere does it ever say that we need to hurry up and count the votes by a certain time. Well, Dave, I mean, we've had several elections, like 2000 that you were talking about, where election day came and went, and we didn't know who the winner was. And that just, well, we had to go find out later who was the winner. We've had this before. It's just not, 
not unusual. I mean, when you have all these votes coming in, Dave, by mail, um, you know, the in-person voting, I mean, it just, how do we know, you know, I mean, how can we ever be sure that it's going to be done by the end of election day? Think about all the military personnel. That's a lot of stuff to sort out. What about just all the military personnel? Yes, the overseas personnel have to, their, their votes have to come in. That's all by mail. Right. We have a thousand bases abroad. All their votes have to come in and they should be able to be received on postmarked midnight tonight. Right. 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 It's, it's, it's unbelievably simple, Dave. Unbelievably simple. This is, this is rudimentary. This is elementary. Very basic stuff. And just the fact, David, that you've seen Republicans, and it's not even close, Dave. If people try to tell you, oh, they do it too, right? If they try to use that whataboutism on you, say it's not even close in terms of who's trying to make it so fewer people vote. It's the Republicans all the time. They want fewer people to vote. That's absolutely true. <clears throat> and, and, and they've gone to great lengths to do it and succeeded in a number of them. So if, if you're a felon, you can't vote. Did you know that? Of course. If you're in jail, you can't vote. So there's a measure on the ballot that I voted yes for that says, you know, once you've done your time, you can vote again. Which it's like, it's, it's like the flip side of that song. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. But once you've done the time, boom, you're free, man. Well, what's the old saying? You've, right, you've paid your debt to society. So you should be a full member of society once again, right? But these are methodical methods, methodical maneuvers by the right to disenfranchise uh, voters, to, to, to reduce the amount of voters, because the more people that vote, the less chance the Republican Party has of winning. So you and I both know like that, that leak that came from the, uh, the Nixon administration, right, where his head aide on his deathbed admitted that the drug war was just to reduce the voting turnout. John Ehrlichman. Thank you. Yes. So John Ehrlichman on his deathbed admitted that they planted heroin in the inner cities and marijuana in the fucking suburbs and, and cracked down on both of those so that they could eliminate minorities and hippies from the voter rolls because those people tended to vote democratic. Yeah, that's just, you know, and that's why David, a big part of not letting felons vote, you know, you know, disproportionately African-Americans are incarcerated. You know, that way disproportionately. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that has something to do with it. You know, it's obviously not just about punishment. It's about, well, we don't want, we want to disenfranchise as many of these people that we, uh, 
that we can. Exactly. Exactly. It's more about that than punishment. I mean, if, if any anybody's uh, so inclined, any of our viewers, to look up uh, a, a man by the name Paul Wayrick, I posted this on Facebook at least once, where you know he was a a big part of the uh, the movement for Alec American Legislative Exchange Council. Dave, he's a he's been a big wig in Republican politics going way way back. And it was in the early 70s where, you know, he was uh, at the microphone and he was just saying, you know, you people have the goo-goo government, good government. You want everybody to vote. He said, quote, I don't want everybody to vote. And then he went on to say, Dave, that Republican chances are better when fewer people vote. And he there was it is. very, very straightforward about it. You know, he was not mincing any words. And I was just kind of shocked when I'd seen that and uh, just to be that open about it Dave <laughs> you know it's like you mean you want less people to um, engage in our democracy right less, want less people to engage well and you would think I mean how hard would it be to just register everybody to vote when they get their driver's license it seems so unbelievably simple. But they make you register. They make, if you move, you got to re-register. Why does it matter where you live? Like, I mean, I, I, I guess you yeah, have district elections and this and that, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, it, it should be made easier, not harder, right? So automatic registration, when you get your license, you know, and then, uh, of course, if you move, you just update your information. And, yeah, and voting seem like it's that hard. And voting should be always like it had, like it was right here under COVID. Like for every state, you should be able to register up till the day of the election and vote up till the day of the election. Right. Right. It seems pretty and simple. You, we want people to engage in this. You know, and if, like right now, which is just, I just can't believe it, Dave, but Donald Trump leads the um, um, popular vote right now. I was just absolutely, after his administration has gone the way it's gone with, you know, and even beyond COVID, but mostly with the virus, his handling of the, of the pandemic, and yet the majority of people, at least so far, think he deserves another four years. I am shocked by that, Dave. I really am shocked by that. I would not have been shocked if he wins the electoral electoral, electoral college and wins the presidency again. You know, that wouldn't totally shock me. Um, but that the majority of Americans, given all that we know about this man and his presidency and the state of our nation would want four more years of this guy. I'm just... Well, well, let's let's keep in mind that vote machines can be skewed, right? Like, so in the Bush election, Bush versus Gore, it was found that, I think, what was it? Like, one out of four votes was flipped. 
from Bush, from Gore to Bush because of machine tampering. Wow. That is sad. So, you know, don't pay attention to the popular vote. And like we were saying before, the popular vote doesn't matter anyway. So, no, but just, okay. as a, just as a reference, just to, just to make a point, right? That really, more of us want more. More of us want more of Donald Trump. Like, what? Yeah, God, I, don't, I don't believe that. I want a guy to move in my house who tried to burn the house down. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't believe that. I'm, I'm hoping people are smarter than that. But, you know, we won't know till tomorrow or two weeks from now, right? Yeah, we're not really sure. It's it, it's going to take a while. So, you know, we got to figure out uh, when, you know, somebody gets to 270, you know, it's a make that official. And then after that, there's, you know, you can count all the votes and that's great, but if somebody's been awarded 270 electoral votes, that's that will end it. Then we're done. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, Dave. I I got to tell you, I, I feel almost like I did last week watching the Dodgers in the World Series. <laughs> I'm on pins and needles, buddy. Well, and let's just talk about the fact that Biden's no saint either, right? Because, you know, we don't want to f- slip into fascism. But but let's let's remind everybody that's listening in case, in case they don't know us. You know, we're a couple middle-aged white dudes, you know. We don't have a party affiliation. We're not in love with pure personality. We're looking at policies and we're looking at what's best for the working class person. I would agree with that. That's, what, I, that's what I'm after. Fair summary, right? Yeah. So, so based on that, I want, I want you to listen to this clip I got here. Powering on. This is um, Chris Hedges. You and I both love him. And here he is on the status coup. Do you ever listen to them? Status coup spelled coop, C-O-U-P. Uh, I'm very familiar with Chris Hedges, as you mentioned. Yeah, I'm very, very stuff. smart guy. Yeah. And um, so this this is uh, Chris Hedges on Biden versus Trump and the coming economic hunger games. <laughs> so check out him on uh, Chris Hedges on Biden right here. Uh, he is one of the principal architects of the invasion of Iraq. Uh, he is a stalwart supporter of the apartheid state in Israel. Uh, he, uh, along with the Democratic Party hierarchy, uh, has engineered and supports the wholesale surveillance of the public by government intelligence agencies. He was behind, uh, along with Clinton, the destruction of welfare. Uh, and under our old welfare system, 70% of the original recipients were children. Uh, he uh, uh, has called repeatedly for cuts to Social Security. He was one of the architects of NAFTA, uh, the greatest betrayal of the working class in this country since the 1947 Taft-Hartley Act. Uh, he's been behind all the free trade deals, deindustrialization, 
the real decline in wages, uh, which have resulted, of course, in the loss of hundreds of thousands of good-paying manufacturing jobs, uh, and then the lifting of tariffs so that workers in sweatshops uh, in Mexico and China and Vietnam uh, can produce products that are shipped back and then sold uh, to us. Uh, he's been an enemy uh, in the Obama administration with Arne Duncan, was a huge proponent of charter schools. It's not just Betsy uh, DuVos. Uh, he uh, is behind the 1994 Omnibus Crime Bill, which doubled our prison population, tripled and quadrupled sentences. Uh, huge, which he used to brag about, by the way, huge expansion of crimes that merit uh, the death penalty. And then, of course, the whole militarization of police. Uh, he has said he won't support the Green New Deal. He doesn't support immigration reform. He supports fracking. Uh, he's never been good in his voting record on uh, a women's right to abortion, reproductive rights. Uh, he's a segregationist, longtime opponent of busing, uh, and had close relationships with the worst segregationists in the Congress. Um, student debt, um, you know, and then, of course, as you mentioned, the whole for-profit, uh, well, and also deregulating the banking industry with Glass-Steagall, but then the whole for-profit for health system, which is the reason uh, our pandemic is uh, out of we can't control because we don't have a health system that's built uh, to control. It's built to make money. Uh, it doesn't stockpile uh, vaccines or protective gear or ventilators or anything else because you don't make money in it. They What they've done is strip uh, communities of hospitals, drastically reduced the numbers of hospital beds, ratcheted up the cost of health care. Um, this is all Biden. And, you know, Noam Chomsky, who has been very, very um, strong that there's no discussion here, you should vote for Biden. Um, and he praises it as the traditional leftist, um, you know, apparatus has been Election day is kind of a temporary thing. You just go pull a sliver, uh, pull, pull a push a button. But the real work is uh, not in electoral politics, but activism and pushing people like Biden left. And you've heard this from progressive groups: fight against Trump, get rid of Trump, and then let's fight like hell to move Biden. From what I've seen, Biden has told you he's not going to move throughout this campaign. Uh, is that realistic? That Biden could be moved through progressive action? The mass mobilization we've seen from young people uh, in the case of Black Lives Matter, but maybe. Yeah. So. So there's Chris Hedges just shredding Biden on his record. Right. And um, it's not good. It's not pretty. But not pretty like, at all. What he was talking about with Noam Chomsky, Dave, is, is kind of where I've been for a long time. And I think you would uh, agree with this, that um, got to get rid of Trump. He's just proven not to be the guy. He's proved it over and over and over again. And then hopefully we can move Joe Biden to the left, to a more progressive outlook and more progressive policies. That's a hope, Dave. I'm, I'm hoping Biden wins. I'm hoping we can move him. That's a lot of hope. I'm hoping Biden wins, and I'm hoping that that sets us up for a third party in 2024. Because I don't, I don't have any hope in a two-party system. If if that is the case, Dave, I'm just hoping. Again, here, here, here I am with the hope. 
that there's going to be another party to rival the Republican Party on the right. Because if you get a split vote like that on the left, the Republicans are just going to come right back in and take over. And I, I just feel like we always lose ground. You know? Yeah. As bad as the I, Democrats I, are, and as much as we want them to be different, we're always worse under Republican leadership. The last several presidents, it's very clear where we've ended up when a Republican president leaves office. They always seem to take the ball a little further. This is, you know, the nation is totally collapsed. We are in a terrible state right now. David, we are in the worst situation that we've been in since, what, the Depression. I mean, this is in our our lifetime. And yes, uh, any of you uh, Trump supporters that are out there listening to this, you know, and are, you know, giving me the finger, um, just be honest with yourselves. Yes, the pandemic came and hurt things when things did look look like they were better, but a lot of things weren't that great to begin with. And the pandemic, you know, absolutely just took us off a cliff. And nobody's going to blame Donald Trump for the pandemic. But Dave, his response to the pandemic and his, you know, the way he's continued to um, behave during this pandemic, that is his responsibility. Well, and it almost seems like like a willful ignorance in order to infect more people. And I've been saying this to you for a while, that I think the goal the entire time was to infect as many people as possible so you can declare a national emergency. God, I just, I mean, that just sounds so out there to me. But the way he's acted, it, it's hard. It's hard to see it another way. I, I just like what. What is the? What is your point, President Trump? What is your point? Right. I mean, you've got the best advisors in the world giving him daily briefings. So, what is its willful ignorance? Because if the the original thought to this, Dave, was Trump didn't want to acknowledge what was going on because he didn't want to spook the market, didn't want the economy to tank because that was his best chance of getting reelected. But when you have something like this coming on, you can talk all you want about it's not here, it's not that big of a deal, it's just a Democratic hoax, don't worry, be happy, and all those things that he said but a virus isn't going to pay any attention to that and sooner or later it's going to have it's going to have its negative effects when if you look at it this way and you say well guys this is really here we have to deal with it and let's deal with it the best way we can take all the available science and try to figure this out dave nobody's going to blame him if the economy starts going down because, well, we have to deal with this terrible situation that he didn't bring on himself. That's not his fault. And he's dealing with this as best he can. Doesn't that rally more people to you when a president deals with a a crisis successfully or at least competently? You would think, right? You would think. 
But, you know, this is uh, the era of alternative facts <laughs> and fake news and, you know, I mean, here we get a president saying that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and his and he wouldn't lose a supporter. And not lose any votes. And boy, he was right about that. Like, and, as turned, and as it turns out, Dave, he didn't even need a strong economy to compete. Now, he's, he just won Ohio. That's a lot of electoral votes in Ohio that he just picked up. So he's moving really ever so much closer. And it he looks like he's going to win Pennsylvania, too. And that's got 20 electoral oh. votes. Jesus. So he is really closing the gap here in the Electoral College against Joe Biden. And as you and I both know, the Electoral College is everything. That, that's the name of the game, Dave. That's absolutely the name of the game. And apparently it goes back 200 years to give slave states competitive power to be able to compete with the populations of the North. So I've, I've called bullshit on the Electoral College for years. I think it's time we abolish this, his, this abominable system. It, you know, one person, one vote. I don't care where you live. If you're an American, you get to vote and your vote matters, but it doesn't matter any more than anybody else's. Yeah, Dave, I don't get it. I mean, I, I to me, it makes more sense. It's so much, so much more straightforward. Who got the most votes? And I don't care how it goes here. Okay, I don't care how it goes the rest of this, this evening and into tomorrow to decide who's going to win this election. If you have the most votes, just overall, you should win. Right. And there should be no electoral college. There should be no, you know, super voters that can supersede the popular vote. The people voted. That should be final. Makes sense to me. But unfortunately, um, it's going to take, what, an act of Congress to change this, right? Yeah. And it's not going to happen before this election's over. You know, just, so here we are. I'm um, not sure if it's a super majority that you need in in Congress to change this, Dave. I'm not exactly sure of that that process, but obviously it's it's not going to change anytime soon, if at all. If at all, and definitely not in this election cycle. So here we are, <clears throat> you know, bated breath, wondering if we're on the eve of Armageddon. You know. Does the Civil War start tomorrow? I don't know. Well, this is really sad, Dave. They're going state by state by state here. And um, they're all too early to call. But the vast majority of them here, Dave, Trump's winning them. What are you watching? I have MSNBC on and they're state after state after state. And Trump's leading in all of them. Too early to call. Ways to go, but Trump ahead. Trump ahead. Trump ahead. It mm. just seems like he is going to be pulling ahead here. Uh, Joe Biden has got, I believe, 196. Well, he got it's well 192 to 136. Wow, that's 
Passo. With Texas, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas still have not uh, gone into anybody's column, but Trump is leading. Wow. And now they're bringing on the James Carville has just come on, and he was on last night, big Democratic guy, and he was saying that Trump was going to get trounced. Yeah, that's what, well, that's what projections are, right, Dave? <laughs> just... That's all they are. It's like we're watching, uh, David, it's like we're watching uh, pregame sports shows, right? That's happening. They're, they're giving us their predictions. And it just, you know what, guys? Let's just play the game. That's a fantastic it analogy. It makes for interesting conversation, Dave. You want to get to know who's who, what's what. I'm all for it. I totally understand it. But in the end, that's why they play the game. Exactly. And nobody's going to know what the result is until the game has been played. Thank you. Wave cheese? Yep. Where, there you are. I thought you went out there for a minute. No. No. So, you know, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, people can talk till they're blue in the face, and a lot of people get paid to do that. So they're going to do that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, do you want to listen to a little bit more of Chris Hedges here? Sure. All right, let's listen to a little more clip here and then we'll comment. There's chances for other mobilizations. Uh, do you see that as kind of a, a false hope? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Biden, uh, he, they used to call him Senator Credit Card uh, because he, uh, throughout his, he was the senator from Delaware and throughout his career did uh, the bidding of MBNA, which is the largest independent credit card company in the country, which, by the way, also employed his son, Hunter. Um, no, we know what Biden's record is. I mean, all this PR stuff and Uncle Joe and, and empathy, and we're just being completely gaslit. But the problem with the left is that every four years, uh, it proves it stands for nothing. Uh, either you stand with it. We should have walked out on the Democratic Party with NAFTA, uh, and we didn't. And that has shredded the credibility of the left because we don't, we, we, we surrender. Uh, to the Democratic Party, which in Europe, the Democratic Party would be considered a far-right party. Uh, And and that's the problem. Nobody wants to step out. Nobody wants to confront uh, the corporate duopoly. You know, and let's be clear, on all of the major issues, there's no difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. What they fight over are ethical or societal issues, which are not unimportant, GBLTQ rights and a woman's right uh, to control her own body uh, all of that stuff is important, but those aren't really political issues. On the major political issues, whether it's war, free trade, austerity, wholesale surveillance, uh, there's no daylight between them. Uh, and uh, and now we have no time left, given the ecocide that uh, is looming and the potential for billions of lives to not only be disrupted, but ultimately uh, lost. And I've I want to hear your take on that, Tony. <clears throat> I want to hear, I want to hear you comment on two things. One, the and I love how Chris Hedges is so eloquent. There's no daylight between them. Right? What a what a beautiful way to say that. Um, but I'd like to hear you comment on that, on there being no daylight between the parties on on the majority of the substantive issues. 
if you if you if you take the wave wedge issues aside. And then I'd also like to hear you comment on the fact that, you know, neither party's talking about slowing down emissions. And here we're facing, you know, they said we have 12 years before we're into runaway climate change. So what do you got on that? Well, I think it goes back to so many things that we have talked about for a long time, Dave, where the corporate Democratic side, you know, the, the standard Democrats against the Republicans, there's just not that much difference. I, the difference really lies in the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. They're the ones that understand climate change is very serious and willing to move on it. They're the ones that understand that um, income and power inequality are a very important um, policy, a very important uh, subject in, in our country and has to be addressed because like, like he just said, I mean, Joe Biden, you know, credit card companies, well, Joe Biden's in bed with the credit card companies. Well, that's exactly the thing that we don't want. I mean, if you're a progressive, Dave, you go, no, you guys, you can't charge those kind of numbers. You can't charge that much interest. Right. You can't you can't do those kinds of things. You know, um, what's her name? Katie Porter, Dave, the uh, representative of from California. You know, you know, she's been in front of the, you know, um, she's been on Senate, co- uh, what, uh, House committees and things like this, talking about this very same thing. And she has these, you know, corporate bigwigs in front of her and asking them tough questions. Dave, those are the kind of things that. Your Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden don't really do. That's just not what they're about. Not- and even though I would I would like them more than I like you know Donald Trump and most Republicans, again, as Christopher Hitchens said, there's not a whole lot of difference between that. You know, I think there's some, Dave. Like I said, I certainly prefer that, but again, Dave. I'm hoping that Joe Biden wins and I'm hoping we can shift him to a more, to more progressive policies. Yeah. And what about the environmental aspect? Well, the environmental aspect, Dave, is that progressives actually recognize that. And at least Democrats acknowledge science for that. Republicans are just, it just doesn't matter. I mean, Donald Trump had his own, um, um, he had his own group do a um, survey, Dave. Help me out with this, Dave. Uh, investigation. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the word here. I'm, there's a word I'm looking for here. But uh, they were looking into this. They came back to him and said, uh, well, actually, no, this is real. It's really happened. And he just said, no, nah, I don't believe it. He commissioned a study. There you go. He commissioned a study to do an environmental um the environmental situation, they came back and said, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> and he just said, nope, don't believe it. You know? Yeah, well. Because with Republicans, Dave, science doesn't matter. Well, but it's on the record. <clears throat> but, but it's not even that science doesn't matter. It's just that they're lying through their teeth because they're so freaking sold out to greed. Because Exxon and Shell both published papers in the 70s you know, their own research, they published papers saying that their extraction was causing 
irreparable, irreversible climate change, and that it was probably going to reach a point where it was really an issue. So here we have Exxon saying, yeah, our industry is horribly polluting and there's going to come a time where we're going to have to pay a piper. But then they bury all these studies and lie to us. And continue, Dave, and this is, again, where I, I do see a difference uh, between um, Democrats and Republicans. Um because at least the Democrats acknowledge that this is actually happening. And the Democrats will come out and say, look, why is it that if we go to a Green New Deal and we try to move into the future with better, cleaner technology, why is it that somehow that means less jobs? When it clearly, it doesn't mean less jobs. Well... I don't know, but you know that the Democratic Party is not just, uh, it does not have the workers' you know, best, best interest in mind, right? I mean, you've heard Obama sell out. You've heard him say that he was uh, basically a moderate Republican. You've heard him, did you, did you see the clip of him in Flint, Michigan? Yes. Drinking the water? What was that? Yeah. There's a good reason not to vote for Democrats when you see that. No doubt about it. Let me pull this up. Because this is horrible. Right? Someone give me a glass of water. You saw that? Mm -hmm. When he pretended to take a sip? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the clip. Maximum volume. Get some water. Come on up there. Give me some water. I want, I want a glass of water. John Malkovich? Where do we go from here? I want a glass of water. Like, really? Really? Unbelievable. You know, and then he did it again in a meeting with the media. And, and he actually said, I'm not pulling a stunt here. I'm actually thirsty. <laughs> like, now you just said it. You're pulling a stunt. Unbelievable. No, I just, just the, the fact, Dave, that that was going on how many years ago? And it's still not... Well, and it went on and, and they buried it. They tried to, um, the government of Flint got busted for, <clears throat> for cover up for a year and a half. Right here. So they're saying that every kid in Flint, 10,000 kids have lead poisoning. 
So that's phenomenal, right? It just seems like something that, I don't know, dude, with some good infrastructure, that's fixed. I don't understand why it's, why we can't deal with the situation. And Obama did this stunt where he went to Flint and he drank, and he drank the tap water. Instead, they were hoping he was going to come and grant it a federal emergency zone so it would get federal funding. They would replace all the pipes, but nope. Still hasn't been fixed. I, and I, I don't know why we can't seem to get <clears throat> an answer on as to why. Like, what is the point of not fixing it? What is the point of not fixing it? How can we give $4 billion of aid to Israel when we're not fixing a water supply in our own city? Right? You know, and when it comes to America first, Dave, those, those are the kind of America first things that I agree with. Well, I would too. And, you know, and, and that's the thing is when Trump, you know, said his uh, inauguration speech, there was a lot of things that, that working class people agreed with, but he just didn't follow through on any of them. You know, the swamp is overflowing. Jobs are in decline. You know, the economy's horrible. Make America great again. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So I don't understand how. I'm just hoping we don't fall into create, you know, I'm hoping we don't wake up to a civil war tomorrow, Tony. I'm, I'm hoping not, Dave. I'm not good at making predictions. But how we, however it goes... Let's prove, absolutely prove fraud or suppression or one. I don't even want to hear about it, Dave. I don't. I don't want to hear about anything unless you can actually get it into court and prove it. Because yep. all these these things, you just everybody just. Well, I heard. Well, I think. Well, you know what? That's fine. That's great chatter. That's like that's like lo- looking at polls, Dave. Yep. That's like watching. The pregame sports yeah. show. Okay, that's fine. You want to do that, but it doesn't mean. Joe anything. Rogan had a great comment on polls. He's like, "Who the fuck has time to answer a poll? Like, you know who answers polls? Idiots with nothing better to do." And he's probably right because when was the last time you even received a poll or were asked? Right? Like, who are these people that are polled? You know, I, I seem to remember, Dave, leaving the grocery store in Nevada, old Alpha Beta, and having been asked about something about a Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Right. But that was the only time that I can remember, Dave. And, God, Dave, I, I don't know if I was even out of my teens yet. Okay. A long, long time. Yeah, and that could have been... <laughs> Nielsen ratings either. Who, who who gets that? Right. I've never voted in that. And you would think with, with smart TVs, now they just know, right? <laughs> well, I mean, Dave, if, if they can do it with your computer, know why couldn't they do it with your television? Oh, it's the same thing. No, they, they've even uh, Edward Snowden leaked this one that, that 
the smart TVs can actually look at you. You can be spied on from your own TV. God, that is... They can just log on like, okay, so I, I find, so I'm working for the NSA. I'm, I'm tracking down Tony Schultz because, you know, he's a whatever international, you know, man of mystery. And uh, so I'm trying to gain all the factoids I can. <clears throat> if I can lock in, somehow lock into your computer and they can do that, then I can control your computer. I can turn on the camera. And same thing with your TV and your phone. So your phone can be recording you. So we, we might be recorded right now. Like we're recording for AnchorFM.com. And I suggest you try the AnchorFM app as well. It's a fantastic way to record your podcast. You can do it on the fly with effects, add music. But I'm sure we're being recorded by the FBI as well. Yeah, and the FBI guys, if you're listening to us and recording us, you're really wasting yeah. your time because believe me, we're just guys that get up and go to work and deal with it's our the lives. Of like being a cop sitting at the donut shop. <laughs> but Dave, I mean, it's been how many years now that your computer tracks everywhere you go and sends you things, that, you know, because of an algorithm. They figure out what your likes are, so they send you more of that, right? Yeah. Even if I don't use my phone at a certain restaurant, I'll come home, look at my phone, and it'll say, how did you like that restaurant? Yeah, would you like a coupon for Olive Garden? Like, what? So you're absolutely, I'm absolutely being tracked. Oh, totally. They know where I'm been. It's the same thing with ads on Facebook. Whatever I look at on Google, all of a sudden I start getting ads for it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it and it's something, Dave. I've never been totally comfortable with. I'm not uncomfortable enough to stop using these things because I live in the modern world. What? You know, that's like me saying, you know, gee, I don't like this climate change thing. I can't really deal with this. You know, I'm not going to use my car anymore. Well, it really limits the things that I can do in my yeah. life if I don't have a car. Right. So it's not a realistic option. It's not a realistic option. But, and what are you not going to have? a? You're not going to have a phone? That's just, that's crazy. I mean, any employer, Dave, now thinks that they, they should be able to get a hold of you Anytime, you know. And you and I are middle-aged dudes with nothing to hide. <clears throat> but there is something disconcerting about the fact that everything you say might be recorded. Like, you know. And not only that, David, but Which if they wanted to use something against you and manipulate it in some form or fashion... They could do that. That's what I'm saying, Tony. And it's disconcerting because we chop it up, right? And uh, you could edit some of the things that we say and skew it in a whole different direction, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what makes me weary 
And I don't think I'm paranoid. I think that's smart. You know, I think anybody that's not thinking like that is, is, is extremely naive. Well, I mean, the chances of it happening, Dave, are obviously very, very low. But the, the fact that it could happen, and it's like, wait a second, you're not my mommy. You know, I'm a 53-year-old man. I don't break the law. You know, I'm a, a good member of my community. It's like, why do you need to know where I've been? Right. Why do you need to know what I'm looking at when I'm online? Yeah. Why is that okay? I didn't sign up for that. Exactly. I agree. I feel the same way. And, and if nothing else, it's a sellout to give our information to corporations so that we can then be hounded with more marketing. So, oh, I mean, yeah. most we've got me figured out. It's a fucking brutal headache, and it's a sellout towards the corporation. Like, what if our what if our whole society operated for the citizen rather than the corporation? <laughs> you know, what if that would be right? You'd have free education, you'd have free healthcare, you'd be able to pursue a job that you love because, well, your community would want you to be happy and a more successful individual. Instead, we're stuck in this place where we're trying to remove people from voting rolls, we're trying to make it easier to throw people in jail. One of the things on the ballot, Tony, for me, I don't know if it was for you, I forget if it was a county measure or a state measure, was to increase what is currently a misdemeanor to a felony in, in a few specific crimes. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Are you kidding? Why would you, why would you do that? To make it easier to lock people up and to make more of a bureaucracy that we we have to run people through the and system. remove more people from like, the voting rolls. Like, what is the you know, like, you know, like when the um, the ballot um, in Arizona, I was told recently, um, you know, that make marijuana legal to legalize pot, and I'm just thinking to myself, we pretty much at that state, Dave. In this place and time now, where it's like, do we really care if adults are using this? Yeah. Like, do we really want to lock people up for this? Do we really want to like run them through the legal system and all that time and cost that goes with that? Is that really necessary? And for what? Right. Even my friend, even my friend Jason, Dave, the, the person that you and I both know for for many many years, he was in law enforcement. And he used to be the hardcore, you know, no gray area, crime's a crime. And if you did it, you should lock you up and throw away the key. Even years later, he finally said, yeah, I don't really care if people smoke pot. <laughs> Who cares? This shouldn't be something that the law enforcement should be dealing with. Exactly. And because any, any experienced law enforcement person knows that those, the people that are smoking pot, I'm not talking about people moving tons of it, that there's a value there and they're traffickers. But your user, they're not going to go hurting anybody. They're not a threat to anybody. It's just, 
It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's just it's one of totally ridiculous. Alcohol does way more harm to society, to people in general, health-wise, psychologically, physically, but it's on every corner. <laughs> Literally. Every corner. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that... That's not hyperbole. Yeah, it literally no, is. Every, every commercial corner, it's, it's there. there. Right there. Every restaurant, it's there. Every corner store, every. convenience store, gas station store, grocery, grocery store. store. Everywhere you go, there's friendly old, like good old American alcohol waving at you, right? And Remember the days you could go to like live sporting events? Remember back in, you know, before oh, 2020? Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if people remember, Dave, but in the old days, you used to be able to go to these sporting events and you would buy a ticket and they would let you in and you could watch the game. <laughs> I don't know if people remember that. It's been a long time. But at those things, David, you can get beer. <laughs> you can get wine. Some of them, they have those... Um, Luxury seats, you can get mixed drinks. You know? Alcohol everywhere. Absolutely. And I'm sure you remember I'm sure you remember back in the day where you could just tell them to come over to your section and you could order from the bleachers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brother used to have a uh, annual um, like kind of playoff event with his work where he would have like 200 people go and they'd have a bunch of RVs and barbecues and everything and he would get a huge block of seats and uh and it was back in that time and he would just he'd be like okay you're you're our beer guy <laughs> stay yeah, close stay close you'll be busy <laughs> powering off it was really funny but different time, you know. Different time. All the good old days. Well, hopefully those are close by. I mean, no matter how the election goes, I I really want to get back to, you know, normal as much as possible, as soon as possible. Yeah, I really miss live music. You know, but the, you know, so right now here, Dave. Um, if you want to go to the gym, you can. If you want to go to the movie, you can. Um, and a lot of there are several restaurants now that have dine in. Marlon and I were out at a, one of our favorite Italian restaurants, uh, La Veranda, out here in Pittsburgh, uh, not too long ago. You know, and they all have. You know, they're limiting. Capacity, you know, to limit to how many number of people they'll allow mm-hmm. in, which is you know, the obvious thing, makes sense. But, you know, at least it's not, you know, this com- complete shutdown thing. And when people continue to talk about that, it everything's a shutdown. Blah, 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 I don't know what planet they're living on, David. I don't know. Maybe their, their situation, their area is different. But, you know, here in, in Pittsburgh, California, Dave, it's just. It's yeah, well, one of my own friends in, in uh, down in Pacifica keeps posting stuff about we need to open up, but then he's posting pictures of himself at like 14 different restaurants. It's like, I think everything's open, buddy. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it's like the gym, Dave. You know, you can go into the gym now when the guys at the at the front desk and they see that, oh, well, hold on. You guys are going to have to wait a little bit. We need a couple more people to leave. We have too many people right now or we're at capacity yeah. right now. So it's not like in the old days where, you know, if you went, David, at, you know, Monday or Tuesday at five o'clock in the yeah. evening, it, the place falls to wall, right? Okay, that's the, way, that's the way it was. Well, now it's don't go there at those times because they can't let nearly that many people in there and they're going to ask you to yeah. wait. You know, you're going to have to wait outside like you're trying to get into, you know, the grocery store. Right? How that how they've been Line it up. So, you know. And isn't that part of, you know, being good patriotic Americans? We have bad situations we have to deal with and we have to make sacrifices. And that's the only sacrifice they're asking us to make. Why are why are so many people whining about Pretty that? minor to me, right? It really is. I mean, I it's not like we shut down. There's all in the beginning, Dave, as it we probably should have had a total shutdown earlier. Have. Would have but had there's it. all these, like, you know, Scots and, and Karens out there. You know, Darrens <laughs> and Karens, I guess, that are like, I refuse to wear a mask. I'm a free person. And like, dude, shut up. Like, you, you can do whatever you want in your house. You want to come in my store, put on a mask. It's easy. Simple, right? Incredibly simple to me, David. Incredibly simple. Seems non-issue. There's another, yeah, there's another reason why when I look at Trump and the way he's handled this pandemic, pandemic and the way he's politicized wearing masks and social distancing and all these kind of things, that's just another huge reason, David, why I just can't see for four more years of his presidency because he's presented with this situation and he acted and because of the way he's acting so many of his followers follow suit Dave right like somehow this is a question of our freedom you know I just that that is just so overused to me you know it's like my freedom somehow I'm taking away your freedom. I'm oppressing you by making you wear a mask during a pandemic. You know what that reminds me of? Airborne disease. Reminds me of a smoker's freedom to blow smoke in your face. (laughs) Right? You're encroaching on my freedom. Like, what about my fucking freedom to just breathe? (laughs) God, uh, I've I've dealt with those a few times where um, I think I said to somebody, um, do you mind not smoking? You know, and I'm like, you know, is it okay that, you know, I don't want to breathe your smoke? And and they said to me, like, well, you know, what about my right to smoke? Like, you know, what about my privileges? And I'm like, yes, but my privilege to not breathe your smoke, I'm not doing anything. You don't have, what do you have to breathe my air? Exactly. I'm not encroaching on you in any way. You know, you're the one who's encroaching on me. You're the one who's involved in the act itself. And now I have to breathe this foreign substance that I don't care to breathe. It stinks. It's a great analogy. 
Yeah, I just think, you know, Dave, somehow we've uh, we've allowed the right to sort of steal the idea of what being a patriot and what freedom is, Dave. And they've really taken off and run. Well, and I think it's really hijacked, yeah. kind of like the term uh, conspiracy theorist, right? Because conspiracy theorist, if you break it down, that's just somebody who thinks a lot and is, is questioning things. That's a good thing. But it's been hijacked like the term patriot. So now some jerk off like Anacleto can think they're can think they're a patriot when in reality they're like kind of a hot headed gun nut. <laughs> you know, an extremist, really. Right. I mean, you want to jump in the van because we have some patriot shit to do. I mean, that's like an that. extremist, right? That's like you're willing to hurt people for their belief. Like, dude, you're an extremist. You might as well be ISIS. That's what I'm saying, Dave. I'm like, you know, I think I I um, responded to that. Isn't that terrorism? Thank you. I, I forgot exactly how it is. Go, but I think it was something that effect. What he calls patriotism, I'm like, oh, that sounds like terrorism yeah, to me. Exactly. Yeah. Patriotism, I think of as like a Fourth of July parade, you know? <laughs> Maybe a fucking couple horses, there's some flags, everybody's smiling. You can smell like a barbecue in the distance, right? But I'm thinking patriotism, Dave. Look, we've established that there's a situation going on in our country, and we have to pull together. And there's certain things that we have to we have to do to try to get through this. To me, going along with that, that shows a certain amount of patriotism. Just there's certain rules that we have to follow so we can keep each other healthy. Right. As a society, the bigger picture. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm willing to make certain compromises for the greater good of, of, you know, the greater good. Yeah, the greater good of society, David. It's like, you know, when I drive, there's stop signs and stoplights, Dave. You know, I have to stop. I don't think it's an infringement on my freedom to have to do You totally don't have to, Tony, but I really appreciate that you do. It just seems like common sense to me. Right, but it's that simple. Like, if you're going to flex, like, imagine, right? Because that's a great analogy, right? Like, certain Trumpansies to me seem like they want to flex. Like, the people that are flexing their muscle on the mask, it's like you could just as easily choose a stop sign. Like, I'm an American. I'm free. I could choose whether I stop or not. Bam! Whoops. Like, Dave, you know, like, why do, you know, I could just very easily say, why do I need to have a driver's license? Who cares? It's my freedom. Why do I need to get my car smog? You're restricting my freedom. Right? Why do I need to pay taxes? You're encroaching on my freedom. We We can always argue, Dave, about how much or how little 
that we have to pay in taxes and how many rules we should or shouldn't sure. have. Now, I think that's a fair thing, but there are just going to be some because we all live in the same place. We all have to deal with each other in a certain, to a certain degree and to make society work. Right. Like somebody's got to patch the freaking potholes in the road and it has to get paid for somehow. Yeah, and it's actually not a bad thing because don't tell anybody though, Dave, but that's how government does create jobs. It, it, it does happen. Government does create Don't tell jobs, anybody actually. though. Yeah. And they can, Isn't that even? And Tony, guess what? They could do it cheaper than the private industry. Because <laughs> <laughs> of this thing called. Because well, of this thing called. Power, like if you buy in bulk, you know? Well, I mean, there's another thing, David, where when I look at Republicans and I see some of their core beliefs and I say to myself, you guys are full of shit. You guys are absolutely full of shit. Remember the whole argument that government doesn't create jobs. Well, to a certain degree. What the do. hell did the New Deal do? It created 10 Tens of thousands of jobs. Well, not only jobs, Tony, but it's a cop or a fireman or a nurse or a, a, you know, a lot of doctors. I mean, isn't that part of the things that we hear? Well, indeed. So, so How many the, the New Deal per, d- d- developed the West and the water for the West, built the Hoover Dam which gave water to Arizona and Nevada and allowed those to thrive as communities. So not only jobs, but whole states full of people as a result, where it was barren land before. And didn't didn't that help the private sector? I think it did. Didn't that help people make, you know, produce grocery stores and, uh, law offices, real estate offices, real estate shops. agents, and, and loan people. And, right? Somebody had to build houses for people to live when they were there. Right? The developer, then a carpenter has to fix them. And every time you refinance or move, you got a loan person, and then there's a realtor. And yeah. But a better, 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 better. Creates the same. Right? Yeah. See, where. When Republicans seem to think, Dave, that these things don't go hand in hand, I think most progressives, Dave, really understand that they do go hand in hand. I, you can't really have one without the other. I think most progressives understand that if you bring the bottom up, it helps everything. But there is no trickle down. There's no such thing as trickle down. That's, might I have some more, sir? And I'm sorry, but I don't want to ask. I want to. I want to be able to make mine. I don't want to ask for it and beg for it. I mean, I think that's the contract that, that we have in society. Okay, you know, this is you know, you and I, when we want to go drive our cars, Dave. Somebody's got to build that road. Somebody's got to build that highway. Somebody had to change my oil today. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, those are going to be private companies that are going to change your oil, but without a collective, Dave, 
without some societal cooperation, how do you get a highway built? Yeah. How, would, would you just rely on, on car manufacturers and tire manufacturers to build the highways? If so, we'd have every road would be a toll road, right? And because right, because they're those companies, if they are going to do that, if you say let's leave it to the private sector, remember for them it's all about how much profit can I make? How cheap can I get labor? How how cheap can I get the goods and services in order to build you know what is necessary? And that's the real conversation is the private sector won't even get involved in the project unless there's a profit. And I don't blame them. They're a business trying to make but money. But that's how the public sector can take over because they don't need to make a profit. And that's why we need Thank that. you. <laughs> that's why we need it. Like never before. Like, Tony, I, I believe we're sitting on the precipice of another Great Depression. Like teetering. My God, I sure hope not, but Dave? Yeah. Dave? Loud and clear, buddy. Hey, you thought you went away there for a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I see that we're now $32 trillion in debt. We've got this pandemic that we can't quite get through. Um. We're in some serious trouble here, and I'm just hoping it's not going to get worse. You know what I just read last night is um, China has circumvented the U.S. for production of cell phone and computer chips. So they're not going to rely on Silicon Valley anymore. They're creating their own Silicon Valley. So. And have we been exporting a lot to them? For everything, for for iPhones, for every phone, every phone and computer, we've been exporting to them for the technology. Wow, and they don't need they don't us need anymore. anymore. That is a yeah, that is going to be a huge instead huge of hit just being the cheap share. labor center. Now they're going to be the technology center. So there goes Silicon Valley is going to crash because there's no way they can compete. They're going to have to like totally downsize, huh? I think it's just going to be Silicon Valley is just going to turn into a ghost town. Or those people will move to China. Oh my God. Who knows? But... Well, it just seems, David, that you can't carry this much debt without having interest rates at some point just jump up. I and mean, whenever they do, it's just forever. We're screwed yeah. if they do. Yeah, and that's, you know, you, you and I have certainly talked about this before, but um, that's where if we are able to move, to get Biden elected and move in a progressive direction, that is one thing that has got to be big on his agenda, Dave, and it's going to be very tough given the economic climate but you're gonna have to get that debt paid down buddy you got that deficit we got to work on the deficit day one yeah. well, we got to get this thing under control because 
you know, if you're just, you know, you can, as a, as a, you know, an individual, you can think of how bad it can be if you're carrying too much debt. And then you may multiply that times 10 million and then you're close. Yeah. But imagine if China called in the debt that we owe to them, we would be bankrupt. Oh my God. It was so freaking scary. So how can you operate like that? And and totally in the red. You can't. It's a, it's a, Ticking time bomb, right? At some point, your creditors can't loan you any more money, Dave. Or if they do, it's going to be at a the interest rate's going to have to be a lot mm-hmm. higher. I just don't see how you can continuously um, incurred incurred debt without getting it at some point realizing here's where we're going to get it paid off. You know, and it's like you know a lot of bad things about Obama. But the $1.4 trillion uh, deficit, he had it down to $500 billion. He started with $1.4, he had it down to $500. And we, you and I have talked many times about the Clinton situation. Hardly a perfect president, hardly a perfect person. But in, in this regard, he did really well. He, uh, what, it was, the deficit was... Uh, First, balance, no, right? first surplus in 100 years. We had a $77 million surplus. First thing, yeah. so no first thing George Bush did surplus. when he got into office was to give everybody a $300 rebate check. So he eliminated that surplus. First thing in office. Yeah, and how ridiculous was that when even though the deficit we had a surplus, we were taking in more than we were spending on a yearly basis. But we still had a national yeah. debt. It wasn't like the debt was all wiped out. It was just the deficit was in the right direction and the debt was being paid yeah. down. And wow. <laughs> and yet they again with these damn Republicans drive me crazy. Most people in the country, they still think Republicans are better on the economy than the Democrats. I I just don't get that. Yeah, well. Remember when debt and deficit spending? Remember when that was better on the economy for who? Oh yeah, that's right. right. That's that. That's when the Democrat was in power. That's when it was a bad thing. Well, better for the, the you know, uh, Republicans are better for the economy for the ruling class, right? Because when the economy tanks, the people in the know make money on the market going down. Uh, well, we're not going to solve it all tonight, Dave, but uh, I'm going to have to get going here. I, gotta yeah, get I think it's been a good um, but I, really I think, did enjoy the I think we beat this horse pretty well. Love you, Tony. And uh, let's hope there's no fire in the streets tomorrow. Yeah. Good night and good, good night luck. and good luck and keep fighting. Good night.